Hey everybody and welcome to episode 23 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Let's go! Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. Send in your comments and questions to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find all the episodes on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I'd like to congratulate Takeyuki Fukata for his IAPLC World Ranking Number 1 Aquascape Mighty Cave. Oh my god, he did it again. Absolutely awe-inspiring. And whether or not that underwater world hardscape heavy style is your favorite or not, you have to admit that in the context of this contest, they made the right decision. I'm also happy to see in the top 10 a more traditional style nature aquarium. I would have liked to seen more of those, but that's just my personal preference. Also, congratulations to everybody else who placed high or who placed <laughs> at all. If you entered into the contest, I didn't see one aquascape, quite frankly, that it wasn't inspiring to me. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible the amount of talent, and uh, every year things seem to step up. So, wow. Yeah, congratulations again to everybody, and uh, especially to the number one ranking, The Mighty Cave by Fukada-san. Right, some breaking news from the newsroom. My first Rimless Style Aquarium came in the mail. I'm super excited. I got the UNS60U. It's pretty much the same size as the ADA60P, but with two extra inches front to back. So I get a little bit more there. Really inspired after looking at all these aquascapes this week. I'm ready to go, ready to create something new. And what are you guys creating? Are you already thinking about what you're going to create for next year's IAPLC? And if you are, are this year's winners affecting your thought process? I'd like to know. Uh, send me an email at aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave some comments on Facebook or aquascapingpodcast.com. I'd like to give a special shout out to one of our fans who made a donation to the show. We're super grateful for that. Uh, I'm not going to say your name on the episode just for privacy's sake, but you know who you are, and uh, thank you very much. And if anybody else out there would like to give a donation to the show, you know, there's some expenses uh, for putting on this podcast. Uh, they're not much, but every little thing helps. You could just go to the website, aquascapingpodcast.com. There's a little link there for donate. Hey there, Aquascapers. Sean here. Most of you have probably noticed that the results of the 2016 IAPLC have been released, and since we are a podcast on aquascaping, it would literally be malpractice if we didn't take a little time to talk about the 2016 International Aquatic Plant Layout Contest put on by ADA. For me, the first few things that comes to mind, or at least the big thing that comes to mind when I start looking at these top layouts is wow. You know, nearly every year there's always a few scapes in there that just blow my mind. I'm wondering, wow, how did they do that? That was such a brilliant idea. I gotta say, if you look at the contest over the years, you can see that the competition and the skill has just shot right through the stratosphere. I want to take a little time to talk a little bit about just a few things that came to mind as I looked through the top layouts. A few things these top folks did that we can take and apply to our aquascaping to improve our scapes and to get better as aquascapers. So the first thing that probably comes to mind for a lot of you and, and definitely does for me and it does almost every year is the uh, amount of detail and intric intricacy 
in the hardscape. You know, every element of the hardscape is there serving a purpose. It is there directing your site, creating scale, creating depth, serving some type of a purpose. And uh, these guys are working with a lot, a lot of hardscape, you know. You guys remember back in episode 17, we talked to Stephen Chong, who is a member along with this year's grand champion of the IEPLC of the TAU, the Tokyo Aquascape Union. He had a lot to say and a lot of insight into the IEPLC in contests and in design in general. So you want to check that episode out if you haven't already. Here's a little snippet from that conversation. At the very highest level, it really does become an objective contest of skill at some point. You have to demonstrate skill, and you have to demonstrate thought. What hardscape intensive layouts do is they give the aquascaper more opportunity within the same space to make more intentional decisions. Complex hardscapes have not been assembled over, you know, a few hardscaping sessions, which is what most of us plan to do as uh, the casual hobbyist. We have a few rocks, we have some pieces of wood, and we assemble an aquascape. These guys are spending months collecting various hardscape materials. They are practicing putting it together all to create this cohesive vision. And if we want to step up to a bigger level, a higher level of aquascaping, we need to do the same. We need to keep an eye out for you know those little pieces of hardscape that can just add a little more layer, a little more dimension, a little more detail to our hardscapes. It's hard to accomplish that with a few pieces of wood or, you know, a dozen stones. So with that, uh, number one is basically really, really concentrate on trying to create the most detailed uh, and purposeful hardscape that you can. A lot of them, most of them, all of them, made excellent use of negative space and that's something we don't tend to think about or that sometimes uh, as casual hobbyists or um, you know mediocre aquascapers we can neglect a little bit if we don't pay attention to how we use negative space you'll notice that uh, even though many of the hardscapes in the plants seem to fill up the entire frame there are still these spots where you get this peak or this glimmer of open space behind that and that gives this suggestion of this expanding scene it gives a feeling of of greater size and depth to the layout and so that's an interesting way that many of them used negative space in their layouts you know kind of traditional thought in aquascaping is to build this um this up and back uh, ascending layering of hardscape and plants to fill up the entire frame which leaves little uh, in terms of open space or uh, this negative space that can create so much shape depth and dimension to our layouts even if we look at very simple scape designs things like the concave or convex uh, scape design the triangular layout the pathway design all of these are actually defined by their use of negative space. And so if we want to improve as aquascapers, we need to be more conscious of our use of negative space and really use it in a way that creates scale and um, this openness to our layouts that expands beyond our glass canvas. The topscapers, they know how to do this and they do it masterfully. 
lot of that is photograph oriented. Even the scape itself, like if you just took the camera away, uh, like the dark outside edges, um, that big, I mean, there's a full piece on the right hand side that goes all the way up. Like those things are what you would, what I would do if I was taking a picture of anything. Like even if I'm out doing like a wedding picture or something, I would take those elements. I just did it the other day where I would use something for things to kind of frame the whole scene. And that's what I was looking. I noticed a lot of the scapes, you see that where they have these big components that frame the entire scene. Right. You know, like even the tree ones, there's, there's on the right side, there's this big tree thing. And then the left side, there's a big tree thing. And it starts to just frame the whole scene. The only thing I found that was distracting is there's a little uh, piece uh, of, like, you could kind of see through the hardscape on the right-hand side. There's, like, this little triangle, and it's very small, but it, it, it like, just me looking at it as, as if I was editing it, that would bother me. I would, I would just get rid of it. That's, that's the only little thing I saw in the entire thing that was, like, mm, that's out of place. But other than that, it was, it was perfectly done as a photograph before it was even photographed. Sometimes we can find ourselves focusing on so many other things in the layout that it's it's easy to forget uh, about how to use some basic rules of perspective to create visual lines and scale. So directing hardscape in a way that creates lines of perspective can add greatly to your layout. Not only that, but it doesn't just apply to hardscape. How you can, pre- can create lines with plants or trimming angles all matter. All of those are going to create these lines of perspective. So when you're able to effectively hardscape, plant, and trim with all of these things being considered and utilized, you're doing one of the most important things the masters of the IAPLC do. You're using perspective. Now, of course, perspective is crucial to a diorama stylescape, but it can also be used in a more traditional nature stylescapes, particularly Uagumi. If you're serious about contests or getting the absolute most out of the space in which you have to work, so it becomes even more important for smaller and smaller tanks if you want to make them look bigger and bigger. So I suggest uh, taking a little time to reading up on how to utilize points of perspective in your aquascape and see how you can do that to become a better aquascaper. Yeah, to me the most brilliant thing was the choice of those fish. I mean, that was just brilliant they're not typically i don't think i've ever seen them in a top aquascape and i think steven mentioned that he worked backwards from the fish this time and again i think that's his approach to what can i do in the contest to set myself apart and also do well what do those fish say to you in the context of that scape like to me like i was mentioning before and it just dawned on me all of a sudden i think it was maybe even yesterday it's i think my fear uh, and I don't even know if it's a fear, but I'm like afraid that nature aquarium style is losing like popularity or, or, or being outphased. Even though that's that's not a, a that's not a reality. I think that's like the fear that's really going on in my mind when I'm looking at what's winning in number one. It drives what everyone else is doing. Right. You know, what are the scapes everyone else wants to do? Well, they want to do what they see in those top contest scapes, and I think that's more. I guess more poignant now that the, you know, with the death of Amano that, you know, we're thinking about losing what he gave a lot of us, right? That that's going to go away now because he's not there carrying that on and then no one else is, you know, are we going to see those tanks and those scapes and those style that we 
loved just start to go by the wayside. You know, that was my fear of nature aquarium going away. So there's, they just reminded me of like ghosts. It's like this a lot with aquascaping. When I'm looking at something that I really like or something that really affects me, it's, it's really hard to actually articulate what exactly it is that's, that's you know, sending out these emotions. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us here on the Aquascaping Podcast. Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. Send in your comments and questions to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to all the episodes on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time.